Well, here we are, um, with a little excitement in our time. And we sit here on this fourth Sunday of Advent, wondering how in the world we got this far so fast. At least I feel like that. It seems like it was just Thanksgiving, we blink, and here we are. When I realized that this coming Saturday is Christmas Eve, I'm in awe that this season has moved so quickly. And I'm not even going to answer the question as to whether or not I'm ready, because I'm not sure that I am. I know that the things that are sitting unwrapped at home will only get wrapped if I take the time to do it. And so I know those things need to happen. And I know that that's part of what's important to me. So as we look at this fourth Sunday in Advent, the scripture that we're going to look at is a real familiar one. However, it's in the book of Matthew and not the book of Luke. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, a familiar story, but maybe with a little different bend to it. Hear these words. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took, took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And he named him Jesus. It seems to me that the story in Matthew goes really fast, kind of like that, that season between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It moves fast. It tells the story quickly. So a little recap here. On the first Sunday, um, we lit the candle of hope. We talked about how the light of Christ is in each of us, to remember that. On the second Sunday in Advent, we, look, we lit the candle of peace. We talked about how we are called to be peace in a world where peace is hard to find. And on the third Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of joy. We talked about how joy is different than happiness. We talked about how joy is deep, and it, and it comes from our very core. And we talked about how joy and grief can coexist. Today, we lit the candle of love. 
as with hope, peace, and joy, love is intertwined in the Christmas story. I think love actually speaks to the very deepest part of who we are. Most Christmases, when it's time to read the Christmas story, we read Luke and it has the, the angels and the shepherds and it has the, all of those things. And so when Matthew came up as the scripture for today, I, I had to relook at that story again. Um, one of the things I noticed is that this story doesn't say a whole lot about Mary's response. But it does say a whole lot about Joseph. So this story is kind of told from Joseph's perspective. It's short. It's full of meaning. Um, and I think that it can speak to us here and now. So let's take a little look at Joseph. What do we know about Joseph? We know a few things from this story. We know that when Mary was found to be with child, um, we're told that Joseph, being a righteous man, was unwilling to put her to shame. Um, and he resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, you have to understand, in that time, when you were engaged, when you were, when you were um, betrothed, it was, it was a very firm commitment. It wasn't, you know, we're going to get engaged and then we'll... We'll get married someday. There was this year that you spent getting to know each other. And during that year, there were no sexual relations. That year was a time where you got to, to get to know each other, to get to know families and that kind of thing. And so the very fact that, that Mary became pregnant in that, time, in that year was, was a really hard thing. In that culture, in that time... Mary could have been stoned to death. She could have been. And so there's a little bit more than he didn't want to put her to shame. When you think about it, he had to have cared for Mary. That he didn't want that to happen to her, but in that culture he didn't know what else to do. And it, we're told somewhere in that timeline he found out the child was from the Holy Spirit. We don't know exactly how that happened, but we, we hear that it happened, that he, that he knew that. And Joseph, being Joseph, this righteous man, um, was kind of behind a, between a rock and a hard spot as what to do. And then the angel came and spoke and said, do you remember what, he, what the angel said? Do not be... Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. It's like culture says this. Joseph, I want you to do something totally countercultural, totally different than what the people around you think you should do. And I think that that speaks a lot, that Joseph actually did that. It speaks a lot of who Joseph was and the kind of man that Joseph was. It seemed to me, kind of the phrase that came to me when I was, you know, sitting with all my books sitting around me this week, was that, you know what, I think Joseph kind of colored outside the lines for that culture. That, that he didn't do this, what would we say, a cookie-cutter way of having a relationship. Joseph had this other idea, 
And we know that, um, that Joseph took care of Mary. You know, when we, we kind of peek back at the Luke account, when they had to go to Bethlehem, Joseph took Mary to Bethlehem. When they got there, Joseph tried to find a place for Mary to stay, to have the baby. Think about the other things we know about that story. When there wasn't a place to stay, then Joseph talked to the innkeeper and found the, the cave, the, the place for the animals. The stable is what we call it, but when I think of stable, I think of something that's kind of wooden and, and sturdy, but in that day it would have been a cave that was smelly and, and animals were hanging out in. And I don't know about you, have any of you been on a farm and know what it smells like to be around animals? It couldn't have been, but it was better than having that baby out in the open. And so Joseph cared for Mary through that whole journey. And, you know, Matthew goes, you know, zero to a hundred really quickly, but I want us to pause for a moment to think about the compassion and the love that Joseph had for Mary and for the baby that Mary carried. I pause for just a moment there because I think that that's huge. I think that that's huge to think about that on a day when we're lighting the candle of love. Because I think that that's the ultimate idea behind love is that love that is without borders, without bounds, without well, if we look at the, the Hebrew word for, for steadfast love, hesed, that's hesed. That's loving kindness. That's unconditional love. And I think that Joseph was that, had that kind of love. Now, I will, I will tell you that that, that kind of love um, is not easy to have. I want us to be I want to be really clear on that because I think that if if we try in our humanness to have unconditional love with everybody and we think that that's the perfection that we have to have I think we fail because it's really hard to have that all the time. And you know the the Bible verse that says perfect love casts out all fear. I read that as saying God has the perfect love, and that's our model or example. I don't see that our expectation is to be perfect from the get-go. I think sometimes we think we need to be. How many of you are um, perfectionists? Yeah, and it's hard to keep up those standards all the time. It really is. So if we're not called to be perfect, if we're not called to have a perfect love right here, right now, then it would go, 
know, when I put the logic together, when it says that perfect love casts out fear, then I think that what I have to understand is that it's okay to be afraid. So where last week we talked about how joy and grief could coexist, I think love and fear can coexist as well. Because we're human, we have within us the ability to love. But here's the deal, we have to learn to love. We have to learn to love in a more perfect way. Now, it would be really nice if, say, well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll explain this way. Forty years ago, this last week, my husband David asked me to marry him. And we were this really young couple sitting in a public area at the college that we attended. And I don't know, we were just talking about, you know, kind of this future. You know how you do. You know how you dream. We were talking about this future we were going to have and talking about, you know, as you, when you're young and you're trying to figure things out, how many kids we wanted. I don't think we ever named four, but that's what we got. But we were talking about the future, and then David looked at me and said, oh, well, maybe I better ask you to marry me if we're going to have these, these kids. And that was how David asked me to marry him. And, you know, one of the things that I learned from there to now, is that love doesn't always stay the same. That often we have to grow into that love. And we have to be able to, to change as we go through the years. And, you know, I know that David and I have made 38, 38 and a half years of marriage um, because we were willing to change because we were willing to compromise. Um, and I will be honest with you, there were times when it was really rocky, and I didn't know that we were going to make it another month, let, let alone all these years. When I think about this idea of perfect love and being fearless, I'm reminded both how love changes through the years and how we grow, and also how we learn to do better. Maya Angelou has this quote that I actually have um, above my bed. And the quote goes like this. It says, Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. I think love is like that. I think we love the best we can. And I think then we learn to love better. And then from there we learn to love better again. And the more we, we step into that idea of love, the more close we come to that perfect love that God has for us. So it's not that we look on someone that we might have considered unlovable. Maybe it's us. 
It's not that we, we look at that person and all of a sudden we're overcome with this, this perfect love. I think we grow towards that love. And love is hard and love takes work. You know, when we hear the story of Mary and Joseph, we hear the highlights. We hear the, the, the angel that came in and said, don't be afraid, this is okay. There are times in my life when I would have loved to have an angel come to me and say, it's going to be okay. Do this thing and it's going to be okay. I really wish that sometimes we had this divine message that came across the sanctuary that says everything's going to be fine. But I don't think that if we had those kind of messages all the time, that we would grow. That we would do the best we can until we know better and then do better. What I see in the Joseph Mary story are two human beings who learned to live and walk in love under circumstances that were really, really tough. When you think about the whole story, getting to Bethlehem, not having a place to stay, having the baby coming, being in a stinky cave, having the baby among the animals. And then here come the shepherds, which remember when we talked about shepherds were kind of the outcasts. And then the kings. And then the story that kind of happens after the birth where they have to flee to Egypt. And they lived as outcasts in Egypt for a number of years before they could come back. It's not a story that's all sunshine and light. It's not. And that gives me hope because my story isn't all sunshine and light. The story of this church is not all sunshine and light. But it's a story of amazing, amazing love, amazing hope, amazing peace, and amazing joy. Those are the things I see as I consider who we are and whose we are. I see people who, who get dirty working for good in this world. I see people who give to increase the good in this world. I see all those things. And so when I'm looking at the most incredible love story ever, <laughs> which I think when we think about Mary and Joseph, it is an incredible love story with all the, all the drama and all those things. I'm reminded of something very, very important. And that is, I'm reminded that we are called to do better. To do better. You know, if every one of us came out of this Advent season with the idea that we can do better, and, and believe me, I'm not telling you what better would look like, because that's, that's really very personal to you. 
then that's what I would wish for you, that you do better, that you love better, that you joy better, that you peace better, that you hope better. In these final days before Christmas, may you be reminded of how precious you are. And you are reminded of what Emmanuel means. We, we sang that song earlier, but Emmanuel means God is with us. And if God in God's very essence is loving, kindness is love, then love is with us. Every step we take. Because of a baby lying in a manger. Giving us a lesson in love. Giving us a lesson on how to love the world. It's broken and chaotic, but needs love nonetheless. May you always remember that God is with you as you follow love's call to love. And may you let go of everything else but that love. Because it's in looking for love that we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Christ child. Today and tomorrow. And the day after that and the day after that. Thank you, God, for this gift of love. and knowing that your love is perfect. Amen.